0: Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up unto eternal life. This is the word of God.
1: Amen. Morning, everybody. How's everyone doing today? Good to be with you. Got a few really excited, a few quiet. Um,. I am glad to be with you all. Some of you guys who know me know that I really enjoy to hike. I like to hike a whole lot. I actually proposed to Hannah on the top of Half Dome, um, and that means I had an escape plan if she said no, right? Uh, uh, no, I, I love to hike, um, and sometimes good hikes, sometimes bad hikes, and um, there was one hike several years ago that went pretty bad. And um, I know some of you who are part of this church were there. Um, uh, Kenny Kay was there. Zach Dorn was there. I don't know if Zach's there here today. Ian was there uh, and a few others. But uh, we went to go hike El Cajon Mountain out in East County. Anyone ever seen that? Some people call it El Cap because it kind of looks like uh, a little bit like El Cap in Yosemite. Um, But the tagline for that hike is uphill both ways. Uh, because it's just an old fire road and you just, you know, normally you just summit and you come back, but this time you still have to hike on your way back because it's so tough. And, and we decided to go out and hike this because we were training for another hike and, um, you know, me not thinking very much. Uh, I didn't bring a whole lot of water and, you know, it just so happened that we had had a guys night the night before and we played some Texas Hold'em uh, up till about two in the morning and um, and then decided to get up early and go on this summer hike of El Cajon Mountain. And uh, we got there and we uh, got our packs out and started to go up. And there's a sign on the trail that says the trail is closed for heat, um, so don't hike it. And uh, being not smart, we went ahead and hiked it. We just read the sign and kept walking. And uh, I just want to tell you, I had Some of the guys have more water than others. I had about 40 ounces of water, and that was it. Now, this is, uh, depending on how you do it, anywhere from an 11 to 13-mile hike with thousands of feet of elevation gain that is closed for heat, and I've taken 40 ounces of water. Um, And I'm just losing credibility in a lot of your eyes right now. Like, (laughs) where was your foresight, Kenny? Um, Anyway, so uh, we make it to the, the summit. And we have a lot of fun. And we're so tired that we just rest there at the summit. We actually take our shoes and socks off. And we're just kind of relaxing and taking pictures or whatever. And then we decide to, and we kind of went the long way. And then we decided to get home, uh, to, to head home. And uh, at some point, not very long on the way back, we ran, uh, I ran out of water. Um, and another guy ran out of water. Another guy ran out of water. Zach was getting mad at us because he was the only one who brought enough water. <laughs> like several liters, and we all stole his water. And then, and then pretty soon, one of the guys is cramping up, and so every 50 or 75 yards, we got to stop, and he's got to lay down and pop a potassium pill and try to massage his legs so he can move. And, and it's just getting worse and worse. There's no shade. There's no trees. The sun is beating down, and I'm getting more and more thirsty walking on this trail. And then we get to where we're almost on the last hill to go up before we can just go down the rest of the way. And that is where I basically passed out. It's the closest I've ever gotten to heat exhaustion. And one of the other guys did kind of pass out. I was, I remember being on my back, looking up at the sun, talking gibberish. Like, it was intense. It, and it, I felt so dumb. <laughs> and I began to feel scared. And... Um, there for a few minutes, you know, one of the guys kind of fell over in a bush. I'm in the middle of the trail. <laughs> the other guys went up the hill and left us. And, um, and then I hear, like, the hum of an engine, and be, I don't know where the energy came from. I guess I was really scared of being embarrassed, because I just hopped up off the trail. <laughs> the four-wheeler came up, and there was a guy on there who kind of looked like a ranger. I'm not really sure. He's, hey, are you guys okay? Um, oh, yeah, we're fine, Yeah. Kind of thirsty though. Hey, why don't you have some water? And he has a five-gallon thing of cold water on the back of his mule four-wheeler. And so we fill up our packs and we just start drinking water. And then he he gives us a ride up the hill. And I'm not ashamed to say I took that ride. Like, (laughs) so it was like a tiny hill too. I mean, we really could have just. But anyways, we took the ride. (laughs) Took the ride and. We, we learned, I mean, I learned a, a, a lesson, right? Having that kind of trouble, it I could have been really bad. And to this day, I don't even, that guy might have been an angel <laughs> because the trail was closed for heat and no, I mean, no one should be working a trail that's closed, um, but he was out there with the water and we were rescued. And I share that story today because it reminds me of how essential water is to our everyday lives. You can't go very long without water. You can go a long time without food. I know people that have fasted 40 days, no food, right? But water, you can't go that long. A week, maybe, you're getting past that, you're going to (laughs) die because you need water. So I share that because water is something we can't go without, and also because a lot of times we underestimate, like I did the trail, we underestimate how much we're going to need we're gonna, we underestimate how much we need to face the things that we face in life, and it's the same spiritually. It's the same spiritually because there's this theme that runs throughout the Scripture that Jesus hits on in this passage, that we have thirsty souls. Yeah. Anyone know that? We have thirsty souls. And I know in, in our culture, when we say thirsty, if you're below a certain age, it, <laughs> if you look it up on Urban Dictionary, if you don't know what I mean, but... It means something else, and we normally, we say, oh, so and so is thirsty, and that's normally just like sexual desire or something like that, or attention. They're thirsty, right? Um, but even in that, that's a kernel of we have a desire that can't seem to be quenched, right? There, there's a truth that our souls are thirsty. We all experience this feeling of being incomplete. Anyone gonna? All right. This longing for that which will satisfy. There's a thirst deep in our souls, and that's the kind of thirst that Jesus is addressing when he talks to this Samaritan woman at the well. It's a really familiar passage, but, and Rams read the back and forth, but Jesus closes that with, or, or that passage ends with Jesus saying, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. What Jesus is saying to this woman is, you know, they're they're at a well. She realizes, uh, uh, you know, he says, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for water. And she says, well, you don't even have like a bucket (laughs) or a rope to get me water. What do you mean? And, And he says... He says this, he says, if you, if you keep drinking this water, just naturally, you're going you're gonna to have to keep coming back. But if you have one drink of the water I give you, once you take that drink, you're never going to thirst because your soul is going to be satisfied. And in fact, it's going to be a spring that wells up from within you to eternal life. Anyone drank from a natural spring? No? I grew up, in maybe just me, I grew up in the country in Arkansas and we had a natural spring in the middle of our little town and we built the park around it and there was a gazebo and in the summer I would run, down, you know, play basketball all day and run over there and like kneel down and just drink from the earth. Um, it's pretty amazing. I, I feel like pretty good about my childhood right now. <laughs> um, but that's, a, that's what happens with a spring. It just wells up and it comes out. You can't stop it. And Jesus gives This woman and gives us this promise that when we taste him, when we believe in him, when we receive the spirit, there's this promise that that thirst in our soul is going to be satisfied, that the deepest longings that we have, that he's going to satisfy them. It's a a promise, and if you think about it, it's really a bold claim, especially in this. Jesus is, uh, they don't fully know who Jesus is, and he's just a, a man. He's just a person like you or I, and he says, I I'm going to fulfill your deepest thirst. (laughs) You'll never be thirsty again. Think about how bold that is. And yet at the same time, it's a reality, isn't it? For those of you that are here that are believers, you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. There's been an aspect of your life where you've known and you've tasted, and since you believed in Jesus, he has satisfied this thirst, this longing in your soul that nothing else ever could. So right, Psalms uh, 34 verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And verse 10, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Can I get an amen? amen. But if you've been a Christian for a while, I'm pretty sure you can agree with what I'm about to say too. That there's sometimes when you still feel thirsty. There's sometimes when my heart feels sapped for strength. There's sometimes when I feel dry and cracked and, and brittle and parched, and I can't wait for Sunday to come around so I can worship with brothers and sisters. But there's times that we go through when we, don't feel, we still feel thirsty. Anyone going to be honest with me today? What's with that? Why? Why do I still feel thirsty sometimes? Well, we're not alone. See, the Psalms reference this feeling all the time. Psalm 42 says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go meet with God? Psalm sixty three one, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land. The old King James version used to say in a, a dry and we're, uh, in a dry land where there is no water. Psalm one forty three six. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Why do we still go through times where we feel thirsty, even though we know that Jesus has uh, promised to satisfy our thirst? Well, one of those is, one, one, there's several reasons, and I can't give all of them, but one of them is we go through trials and suffering. Yeah? We go through trials and suffering, and trials and suffering have, a, have an effect on us. That often makes us feel far and distant from God. And makes us wonder where God is, makes us feel like He's distant, makes us um, test our trust in Him. We're reminded of how little control we have over our circumstances. And that naturally, there's natural feelings where trials and suffering make us ask God, where are you in this? What does it mean to find you in this? Why does my soul feel so thirsty in this? And I bring that up knowing that in our church, in our family right now, there are several people who are hurting and suffering and walking through dark days. And we are praying and bearing one another's burdens and walking through dark days together. But we need to understand that times like that make us wonder where God is. And also, We find in times like that that God proves himself and shows himself even more and in new ways and in deeper ways. And what are other reasons that that we still have this thirst? Well, another one is this. Sometimes we just don't go to Jesus to quench our thirst. We go to other things. You guys know what I'm saying? Sometimes we, we know that he says he'll quench our thirst, but we go to other things when we're thirsty. There's this passage later in the Gospel of John, John chapter 7, where it's the festival of tabernacles, and Israel, is, this festival celebrates the time when they walked in the wilderness. And uh, I'll just read it, John 37 It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Just imagine you're there at this festival and Jesus stands up and says that in a loud voice. If anyone's thirsty, come to me. It would be a little shocking, right? And you know what's interesting about this Festival of Tabernacles? One of the uh, it was a seven day feast, and one of the things, one of the ways that they would observe it is the priest would take water from the Pool of Siloam and take a pitcher of it and take it to the temple and pour it out on the altar every day for seven days, and it was an offering to God, and it was a reminder of when the Israelites were in the wilderness. And they were there for several days, and they were complaining to God because there was no water. And God led Moses to a rock and said, hit the rock with your staff, and water flowed out of it. And they're remembering that even though they were in a parched and weary land, and there was no hope for water, and they couldn't find anything, they were grumbling and complaining, and yet God provided water in the wilderness. And with that backdrop, Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me. Come to me and drink. I'm convinced that sometimes we simply don't drink from the well. If we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, many times I don't drink from the well. I'll tell another story from childhood since the first one was great. Um, Growing up, I used to uh, love basketball. Anyone play basketball? Yeah. Anyone watching the NBA? Um, yeah. And it was in Arkansas, and we get all four seasons there. Super hot in the summer, hot and humid. I uh, would say the state bird is the mosquito. Uh, so just, just huge. And um, but we would play basketball, you know, outside all day. And I had had a goal there at the house and. And I remember, you know, I would get thirsty, and I would come inside and, you know, ask mom for a drink or whatever. Oh, can I have Coke? And uh, she'd be like, "Well, yeah, you can have one Coke, and then you have to drink water after that, right?" I'm like, "Ah," oh. because I just wanted Coke, right? Because Coke, Coca-Cola was the greatest drink, ever. and I was in the South, so Coke could mean anything. <laughs> it could mean Dr. Pepper, it could mean Coke, it could mean Diet, it could mean Mountain Dew. I don't know if any of you have been to the South; you'll know that. Um, but I, you know, if she wasn't looking, I would just drink Cokes and keep drinking Cokes. And then by the end of a summer day, playing hours of basketball and sweating, like, I was so parched and so thirsty. I feel like I have a problem. All these stories about me not (laughs) drinking enough water, right? I think that old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? That would apply to me in that situation. Um... Water is what I needed to be hydrated. And if I actually wanted to keep playing basketball, what I needed was water, not Coke, right? Because Coke is just going to keep making you thirsty, right? The the brown sugar water with the caffeine. The the caffeine's just going to make you lose more water than than you're taking in. And yet, Coke, when you're that age, is a lot more exciting than a glass of water. It's a lot more appealing. It seems like it's... Right? Way more exciting. You guys are so over this point. Um, (laughs) Jeremiah chapter 2 has a, um, the prophet has a rebuke for the people of Israel, and it's a word from the Lord that he receives. And the people of Israel have been going to other gods, they've been worshiping idols. They've been turning away from the one true God that they know as their creator, as their redeemer, and they've been worshiping idols that they can see, uh, idols that seem more appealing because they can see them and, and touch them and, and manipulate them and um, worship them however they want. And this is some of the words that the Lord says to his people in Jeremiah 2, verse 13 says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Anyone know what a cistern is? If you don't, it's, um, it's a container in the ground for water right? And you would especially want to store it up if you're in a place like the Middle East that doesn't have much water, or maybe you don't have running water, so you want to store as much rainwater as you can get. And so this picture that God is giving us for when our hearts look to other things, he's saying, we've done two things. You've forsaken the spring of living water, and you've turned and built cisterns that are broken and can't actually hold the water that you're trying to store up. For me, it's such a such a vivid picture of what my heart does when I'm not looking to Jesus to fill my thirst. Is anyone with me? The... the... What our soul becomes when, we're, when we've forsaken the living spring of water and we turn to other things that seem more exciting or seem like they're going to answer our needs or seem like they're going to fulfill us in the way that we desire or give us what we want, we're just pouring water into a broken cistern that can't hold it. And it just gets drier and drier and less satisfying and less satisfying and not fulfilling. The question that I want to ask and that I have to ask myself a lot is, what is your, what is your Coca-Cola? <laughs> what is your, or maybe it's coffee or tea or alcohol or whatever, what, <laughs> what is that beverage, and I'm speaking in metaphors, that seems more exciting to your heart than the living spring of water that God is to us? What is that thing that seems easier to grab or seems more exciting or it seems like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to give me more satisfaction than just plain old water. But maybe you've lived long enough to notice that the more you keep reaching for it, the less it keeps satisfying. And internally, you just feel like a broken container that can't hold the Coca-Cola that you're putting down the gullet, right? <laughs> what is it? What is promising to meet your needs but not truly satisfying your soul? What is it in life right now? Maybe, maybe there's a distraction that seems more exciting, but it's not truly satisfying. And it can be, it can be a lot of things. It can be sinful things. It can be a sin, right? It can be, it can be lust. It can be, um, you know, we're talking about alcohol. It can be, it can be alcohol. You can be turning to that and and trying to find solace in that instead of in God. It can be temptations, desires, things that you're looking to that you know is not in God's will for you. But it seems to meet that need in the moment. So It can be sinful things, but it can be good things too. It can be relationships that, that you, your heart has put so much weight in. If this goes well, then I am okay. When there's so much weight on that person that only God can hold that much weight. What is it that, that maybe is a distraction that, that keeps you from the spring of living water? Because at the end of the day, none of these other things that we chase after and that we get fooled by, and I hope you hear my heart today, it's not, it's not to preach down or condescend. I'm, I, I'm, I'm God's... Put this on my heart for me and for us today as a church body. None of those things that we look to are God. (laughs) And God is who we truly need. Amen? God is what our soul needs more than anything else. And the more we chase after these other things, the thirstier and thirstier our souls are going to be. So how do you break that cycle? How do, you, how do you draw water from the well? Well, there's a few things. Tell us. Okay, good. Glad you asked. <laughs> Glad you asked, because that's what the rest of the message is about. What are the odds? Um few things, depending on where you are. Number one, if you're, if you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus Christ, that's your step. If, if I'm talking about this thirst of your soul and it feels like someone's like looking inside your soul <laughs> and seeing what's going on, can, can I suggest that the Holy Spirit is drawing you and calling you to believe in Jesus? And to experience what I said earlier, what all of us Christians have experienced, that he is living water, that he's a spring of living water. That there are times when there's no way in earthly eyes that I should have energy or power to move on. And yet God gives it to me. And the first way, that's the thing. If you're from the outside looking in, jump in today. Jump in today. Turn from sin. Turn from Coca-Cola. Nothing against Coca-Cola. You know what I mean. Turn from that and turn to Jesus. Say, God, I don't want to live by my rules. I, I believe that you died for my sins and to save me and forgive me, I want that water, and just like the woman at the well, you can have it. You know, in that story, she left her jar and ran and told everybody, (laughs) I met met him. (laughs) I met the Messiah. Come see him. God will answer that thirst in your life. And if you're here today and you're a Christian, the primary way that you're going to be able to draw that well, to access the well that God has put in your life, is through spiritual disciplines. It's It's through spiritual disciplines. It's what we talk about when we talk about prayer, about meditation, about uh, reading the Bible, um, reading uh, the Bible devotionally in the morning, studying the word, serving others, giving to the church, giving to others in need. There's there's all sorts of, of spiritual disciplines. There's a few basic ones like spending time in the word and, and prayer, but there's all sorts of, and there's a handbook I love to recommend. Uh, it's called Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Alberg Calhoun, and that is incredible. There's a list of like 125 spiritual disciplines. Some of you guys are like, I didn't know there were that many. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, that's great. I, I've, I've used that. But I'm bringing up spiritual disciplines not to say, hey, these are your saviors or these are your source. Are these your way that you get spiritual points and God rewards your spiritual points by filling your thirst? That's not what I'm saying. Spiritual disciplines are the means by which we draw from the well that God has put in us. It's our rope and our bucket for this spiritual living water. And as Christians, just like I did on the trail hiking, so many times we underestimate the power and the privilege that we have in these spiritual disciplines. The fact that the creator of the universe wants us to pray to him and listens when we pray. What? (laughs) Half the time, I got to say, I don't know if I really believe that. Because if I really believe that, I would pray a lot more. Anyone with me? We, We underestimate how much we need them. And we underestimate just the beautiful thing that we have access to God. And this means that we have to draw on what he's given us. And, and I want to say, too, some, some, some Christians and many Christians have great uh, uh, rhythms and spiritual disciplines and, and um, resources to draw from in, in that. And your devotional life may be doing great. And that's awesome. And that's celebrated. And, and I also want to say, none of us have it perfect. And even if you have great rhythms, sometimes that seems like that goes dry. Anyone experience that? And then you have to change it up and figure out, because the point of it is not, is not to, to gain spiritual points or to, to have a great discipline, it's to connect with God. Yeah. And it means, what do I need to do and what do I need to cut out of my life and avoid in order that I can connect with God? Is there any way in my life that I can make space to connect With God, and here's proof why we need spiritual discipline so much. Here's here's the proof that we need to pray, and we need to read the Word, and we need to meditate on Scripture. And it's this: Jesus had a better prayer life than any of us. Yes, anyone anyone ever noticed that? Jesus, God in flesh, God incarnate, the Son of God, prayed. A lot. <laughs> he, he, pray, he would go out and pray all night. He would, they would be looking for him in the morning. Jesus, it's time for ministry. Where's Jesus? We need miracles to be done. We can't find him. Oh, he's praying. <laughs> More than once that happened. He would go off in, in lonely places of solitude and just spend time with the Father and be replenished by God. And I'm talking about the Son of God. If he needed to pray that much, how much more do we? (laughs) How much more do I need to pray? How much more like Ephesians 6, we covered a few weeks ago, where it says, pray in the spirit uh, at all occasions, with all prayer requests, for all the Lord's people, always. And 1 Thessalonians 5.16, pray without ceasing. We need prayer. I'm going to make a few suggestions as we keep going on where to start with that. And maybe it's this. Maybe you're here and, and, and you're saying, okay, well, wh- where do I start? How do I go with that? And one suggestion is this. Just five minutes. Take five minutes a day. Start with five minutes. Five minutes of uninterrupted time to talk to the one who made you to the one who loves you, to the one who sees what you're going through right now, and the one who wants to commune with you, and the one who said, if you drink from this water, you'll never thirst again. Five minutes. I mean, think about it. Uh, Married folks and or dating folks, um, if you talk to that special person in your life for only five minutes a day, might not go so well. <laughs> yeah, and you might have a few days and that's okay, but then like for the long haul, um, there's not going to be a long haul, right? Because you need that communication with people who are important to you. Five minutes a day with God. Steal it from something else. You guys with me? Yeah. Steal it. If you're, if you're not praying five minutes a day, I am challenging you with everything in my being. Do it. Steal it from Netflix. Steal it from... Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, steal it from the radio in your car on the way home from work. Steal it because it's worth it. If you're not praying and yet your soul feels thirsty, stop doing those other things and spend time with God. Stop drinking the Coca-Cola and drink the water. Turn to the water. And this is not supposed to be a guilt trip. If you're, if you're feeling far and distant from God, I'm not saying it's all up to you, but I'm saying if, if you're... I'm saying we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to seek God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not what you're going to wear, not what you're going to eat, not where you're going to live. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6. Most convicting quote I heard this week. Anyone ready for this? <laughs> I don't know if we're ready for this. <laughs> uh, I didn't know if I was going to say it. That's why there's not even a slide for it. All right. Here. Um, here it is. One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. John Piper.
0: <laughs>
1: well, well done, John. But that convicts me. That convicts me. That convicts me. (laughs) I did see it on Facebook, yeah. Ironically the only way I would have seen it. (laughs) Yeah. I did the wow emoji and then closed it. And then prayed for five minutes. Some of you guys may have heard this before. There's an there's a old uh, story uh, from, that originated in India. Um, a young man went to a wise old sage, and he asked, how can I find God? How can I find God? And the old man just took him to a nearby river, and they waded out into the deep water. And um, they kept wading out until the water was just up under their chins. And then the old man took the young man and, by the neck and put him under the water. <sighs> And held him there. Held him down until the young man was flailing and wanting to, wanting to come up in desperation. And if he would have done another minute, he might have just drowned it. But they came up out of the water together and they walked to the bank of the river. And he asked the man, he asked the old man indignantly, what did that have to do with me finding God? <laughs> Thought you were going to show me how to find God. And the old man asked him quietly, while you were down there, what was... The thing that you wanted more than anything else. The young man thought for a minute and said, I wanted air (laughs) more than anything else. And the old man replied, when you want God as much as you wanted air, you will find him. You will find him. And here's the thing. I'm not trying to say, hey, we have to coax up this desire for God. What I'm trying to say is, you have a desire for God. But so often it gets turned to other things that can't satisfy. Anyone with me? So it's not a matter of, oh, I got a fan in the flame. I got to have this hyper-emotional experience of God. It's no, I need to recognize the desires are here and point them away from the things that aren't satisfying and point them towards God because he is the only one who's offered us living water and hasn't lied about it. Andrew Murray, the Christian who is so well-known for prayer, had these few lines that I found that I thought were amazing. He said, I must be filled. It is absolutely necessary. I may be filled. God has made it blessedly possible. I would be filled. It is eminently desirable. I will be filled. It is so blessedly certain. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. In verse 39 of that passage in John 7, Says by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. When you're thirst, when those desires, when you notice those desires that are happening, and you point those towards Jesus, He will fulfill that longing. He will satisfy and satiate that thirst in your heart. And how do we know it? How do I know it? How can we be sure? Well, because it's because of something that Jesus went through that he experienced. He really experienced the deepest level of soul thirst and distance from God. We see that with Jesus on the cross. There are seven sayings of Jesus on the cross if you read the different gospels. And one of the ones in John chapter 19, so this is the same gospel. I'm just going to read from it. John 19, 28 through 30. Jesus is on the cross. It says later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, he said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And so often I've read that, and I've just thought, okay, he was thirsty. You know? he was experiencing physical thirst. Of course he would. He had been. What had he? Been, what had his body been through? Of course he's thirsty. But there's more to it than that. It's not just physical thirst. It's more than physical. There's so many things that are symbolic going on on the cross. There's darkness. The the sky was covered in darkness. The darkness that represents our sin enveloping Jesus. That his death is so symbolic. And the thirst that he went through is symbolic of his separation from God. John Stott says it this way. Darkness, death, and thirst. What are these but what the Bible calls hell? Outer darkness, the second death, and the lake of fire. All expressing the horror of exclusion from God. This is what our Savior suffered for us on the cross. The gospel is that Jesus experienced that soul thirst, that spiritual thirst, not because he deserved it, but because you did and I did. He experienced that separation from God, that anguish, that torment, that hell, not because of his sin, but because of our sin. And he endured it not just as a punishment, but also as a payment. He took the punishment we deserve for sins to make the payment we could never pay, so that instead of being far from God, we could be brought near Instead of endless thirst for something that satisfies, we could taste and see that the Lord is good. Instead of being in a dry and weary land where no water is, we could have a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Here's what I want you to see today. The living water became thirsty so that you and I would never thirst again. The same one who said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. On that cross, he cried out, I am thirsty. He did that for you and I. He took on our separation of God. He went through hell so that you and I wouldn't have to. So that we could be saved. One drink of this water. One drink of this water. Your soul will never thirst because you've met your true source. And you felt his love for you, your deepest thirst quenched healing for the broken areas of your heart, hope instead of despair. Can I tell you today, Christian, if you're a Christian, your hope is in a better future. Whatever you're going through, I know a lot of us are going through things right now. Can I tell you, Christian, you have a brighter future. The best is yet to come. If your heart believes it, let me remind you of the resurrection. If you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you have a better future. That's what the resurrection says to you. Let death do its worst. Let hell come against you with all it can. But your future is not up to death and hell. It's up to him. And he's victorious over death and hell. Amen? Amen? The living water became thirsty so that you would never have to thirst again. Nothing can keep you from pursuing God in your trials because nothing kept him from pursuing you through many trials. Revelation 7.16, that's why it says this, Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd he will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The key to breaking that cycle (laughs) is looking at that and worshiping. Coming back and seeing what he did for us, the thirst that he went through in order to be be the living water for us. And one other thing to notice as we're closing the water that Christ gives us, the Holy Spirit in our lives, not only quenches our spiritual thirst, but it's the means by which we bless other people. You know, that's the whole thing about a river of living water that flows out from us, it's got to flow somewhere. And so when, when we turn to Jesus and when our thirst is being quenched in Him, it's not something that's it's for us, but it's not just for us. It's the way that we bless other people. I didn't know if I was going to share this, but I will. A few months ago, I woke up in the morning, and the last part of my dream, or I don't know if it's a vision. I'm, I'm not one of those people who has visions, but maybe I am. I don't know. But the last... <laughs> Last thing I thought of, and the first thing I thought when I was it was I saw a water pump and it was just spinning and there was no water. I saw a water pump and it was right. The 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 I'm not sure if that's the sound a water pump makes, but in my dream it did. And um and it was just whirring, and I knew it was gonna overheat and it actually wasn't accomplishing anything. And I, I woke up and because I'm not uh, too mechanically minded, I I Googled. <laughs> to see how a water pump works and if what I thought was happening was happening. <laughs> and how if, it's, if a pump is left on and there's no water around, and it's just air, it's going to decrease the life of that pump and how much it's going to be able to do. And I thought, oh, wow, that's interesting. And I just kind of put that in the back burner of my mind and went about my day. And it was two days later that I realized, <laughs> and I think I told Vince about this, I was like, I'm the water pump. <laughs> God was using that picture to show me in my life. I was on the verge of burnout. And here I was trying to pour out and trying to help and trying to direct, trying to minister, but there was just air. And so what was it? I began to ask Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do about that? And I made made changes in my schedule. I made changes in my spiritual disciplines because it's, I've got to stay connected to the source because if I'm not connected to this water, it doesn't matter what I do doesn't matter what I do. It's not going to be helpful for others. It's not going to be helpful for me. The reason I'm bringing that up is the way that you're going to be most helpful in the lives of other people. If you want to be a blessing to other people, it's going to be finding your thirst satisfied in Jesus Christ and him alone, cutting away the distractions. If there's anything that's keeping me from him, I want him more. I want him more than I want air. I want him. I need him. I think the song... I grew up singing. It's by uh, Richard Blanchard. Some of you guys may have heard it. I don't know, but it's called Fill My Cup. It says this, like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking, draw from my well that shall never run dry. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more fill my cup fill it up and make me whole That's all I got. So we're going to pray. And before we pray, I do want to challenge you. I don't know where you where you're at today. Where where this is hitting you and and I hope that you're hearing the heart in it. I hope that um I hope that you don't feel beat up or Bible-thumped, because that's not my heart at all. My heart is to look at my brothers and sisters and to look at all of us who are gathered here and say, are we looking at Jesus to answer our soul's deepest longings? And if there's a place that we're not, why would we sell ourselves short? Why would we settle for less than what he's promised? Why, would, why wouldn't we instead turn from that and turn towards him, Put away the broken cistern. Who needs to store water when you have a spring of water welling up? Who needs to store stale, old? You can't live on your spiritual disciplines from a month ago. You can't live on a, the passage that you read six months ago that really spoke to you. You need to be in the word. You need to be spending time with God. So whatever that is for you, wherever that hits you. If, it's, if, if you're not a believer, the challenge is believe in Jesus. Turn to him. Quit trying to find it in other things. Let me save you some time. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus today. You don't have to stop. You don't have to wait. Just like the woman at the well, she knew right there that Jesus was all she needed. They said in that, you know, she became the first evangelist. <laughs> the Samaritans, who the Jews didn't even associate, were the ones who said, he is the savior of the world. Why? Because they tasted and saw that he's good. Turn to Jesus today. If you believe in Jesus, start with five minutes. Start with five minutes here today as we respond to the word. Maybe you need to repent from Coca Cola. I don't know what it is. Maybe your your rhythms are solid and you just need to change something up so you can experience God. Can I challenge you? Whatever it is, don't hesitate. Make the choice to do it based on the choice that God made for you to pursue you and the thirst that He went through to have you. Let's pray. If you guys would stand with me while we would pray, and the band can come up too. Good and gracious Father. You're so holy and you are so good, God, my words are are weak and feeble, my heart is feeble and in so many ways i've I've disobeyed and turned from you, Lord, and yet the word that you put on my heart for this church, for these people today is that we would turn to you. God that wherever we find ourselves, whatever we may be facing that we would Turn and direct this desire, this soul thirst and longing that we would turn to you, Lord. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Lord, if we come to you and drink, you satisfy our thirst, Lord. And yes, we go through hills and valleys, we go through times where it seems dry and parched, but we know that no matter what, our deepest soul longing has been satisfied in you. And, and as much as we feel uh, your presence meeting our needs, we know that in the future, in the last day, even more, you will restore and renew and replenish that, that right now we see and we taste in part, but even then we'll know you as we are known by you. We'll see you face to face, God. And so I just pray for hope, Lord God. It doesn't come through my words. It comes through your word and it comes through the Holy Spirit. So God, I just pray for every single person that's here today, every person that's put up with my rambling and they're under the sound of my voice. I just pray for a powerful touch from the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for those who are hurting and weak and feeling broken. I pray for encouragement, God, that we can't muster up, Lord, but if we stand and wait, Lord, you will. God, I pray for an encouraging attitude, Lord, among our church. I pray against everything that the enemy is throwing against people right now, I pray against that. Lord, that you would protect and keep our souls, Lord. That that let hell do its worst, but we belong to you. And you will never let go of your own. No one can take us out of your hand. God, I pray for those encouragements today, God. I pray that people who who have been thirsty and walking through a desert all week, I pray that right now in the next few minutes would be an oasis or that they would drink deeply from the Spirit or that, that maybe it'd be as unexpected as, the, as a random ranger who is probably an angel who says, hey, do you want some water? And I pray that they would just drink deeply right now. And Lord, I know that there's changes in our hearts too. There's, there may be people here who are feeling shackled and burdened to sin, God. And, and you are the one who breaks chains or there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And, and maybe there are people here who are Christians and yet they feel hopeless against the sin that they're up against. And I pray that you would infuse them with hope, God. Or that you died for the, the penalty of their sin, but you also rose again to give them power over that sin. And you gave us the Holy Spirit that we might walk in newness of life, God. And so just pray for re-energized hope, God. And God, we need you. We need you. We need you. And if anything else, God, if anything else from this message and from today, let it be a corporate confession that we need you. We need you. And we will stand and we will wait and we will watch. We will see the deliverance of the Lord. We will see you redeem us. We will see you fill us, God. We will be brought back into the tabernacle. We don't just have to remember the good old days of worshiping. We will rejoice again. We turn our thirst to you and we ask that you would move in these next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.